And I think so often we think God's got to do this for me and that for me and this for me. And we forget that God is not there to work out our plan. God's not there to work out my agenda. God has his own plan, his own agenda. And my plan and my agenda need to be set aside for whatever it is that God wants to do. Amen? Yes. Amen? Understanding this can come very simply from the same prayer that we've been studying as we've studied prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse I want to start at verse 9, but I think for context, let's read verse 5 through the end of the Lord's Prayer. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the street corners of the streets. That they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Whoo, I could preach a whole message right here, okay? We got a whole lot of people that want to stand up at church and say, I want to pray for this and I'm praying for that. But it ain't the prayer that you do out in public that God needs to hear. Can I get an Amen. It's the prayer in the closet that God needs to hear. So often we're wondering, well, why God ain't you blessing this church? And why God aren't you growing this church? And why God aren't you doing that? Maybe because all the stuff we're doing is only outward. We're only doing it to be seen. And we're not having an actual in the closet prayer experience. Amen? Notice he says, but thou, when thou prayest. Verse 6, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I could go on for an hour on how maybe we're not being rewarded openly because we're not spending enough time privately with God. There's not enough earnest prayer on our own going on about our church about the people coming to our church maybe the people at church ain't spending any time in prayer shame on us if that's us amen shame on us if the church ain't praying because jesus said my father's house now let me let you in on a little secret know ye not that you are the temple of the holy ghost whom you have received of god that means us are being built together up into a holy habitation for God. Is that not what the Bible says? So if we, the people, are the church, and we, the people who are the church, are not being called a house of prayer, in other words, if prayer isn't in our house, why in the world would God reward us openly for something we refuse to do in secret? God wants a personal relationship with people. He wants a relationship with you in your own prayer closet. 
That's why before Jesus teaches them about prayer and how to pray, he tells them where to pray. He tells them, you go get in your closet and you shut the door. Get alone with God. Make it a point to stay alone with God and pray. I asked a question weeks ago. And this was a question that I asked myself, remember? Pastor, have you prayed over the thing that you're so worried about yet? See, because it's real easy. We'll worry and then we'll worry and we'll worry and we won't really pray. We won't actually bow our knee and say, hey God, I need help. Here I am, Lord. Amen? So he stops in the middle of, before he even tells them how to pray, he tells them where to pray and the attitude with which to pray. My attitude is not to be seen praying. My attitude is to have an intimate, closed-door, personal relationship with Christ in prayer. Amen? Namely, with the Father praying in Jesus' name. Amen? Think, I think far too often people understand that we have a relationship with Christ because Christ died on the cross with us and the Holy Spirit applies the blood of Christ to us and we're born again and Christ dwells in us and, and he lives his life through us. But our life is to glorify the Father. Same way the Son was sent to glorify the Father. Notice he tells you also who to pray to. It's very important that we remember we're praying to the Father. Before he even gets to where, how to pray, when he's telling us where to pray, he tells us who to pray to. And pray to thy Father, which is in secret. Amen? But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Now, a lot of people take this and they say, oh, that means you can't keep asking God for the same thing over and over and over and over. Let me tell you a secret. This is not telling you you can't keep asking God for the same thing. It's not even telling you not to ask God for the same thing. Do you know what the heathens used to do? They used to just chant the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. It was mechanical. They thought that if they just said that thing enough, that God would probably just get tired of hearing them and give it to them. But that ain't how it works. Prayer is an intimate relationship with God where you're earnestly seeking God's help. You're earnestly seeking God's will. You're earnestly seeking an answer to your prayer. Think about this. We, first of all, this is how I pray every morning. I pray for me, first of all. Lord, forgive me all my shortcomings, all my faults. This is, this is just an outline of how I pray. I don't pray all these same things the same way all the time. But I pray for me. And I start where I'm at. Lord, forgive me. Help me be a better father, husband, pastor, friend, whatever, right? Forgive me where I failed this way or that way or this way. 
Then I pray for my wife, and I, I say, Lord, I know you, you've called her your daughter, and she loves you. Lord, I pray that relationship with her, with, her relationship with you is true, and it's alive, and it's moving and growing, God, that you're working in her and through her. And I pray, God, that you would bless her, that you would anoint her, that you would help her. With everything that she does, God, let it glorify you. And then I pray for my kids, and I name them all. And then I pray for this church. And then whatever God leads me to pray for each person that I think of in the church, I'm praying for them. And I'm seeking God on their behalf. And I'm asking God to forgive them and to help them. But it's all modeled on the Lord's Prayer, understanding, first of all, who I'm praying to. Amen? Seeking Christ, seeking God first. Verse 7, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard with their much speaking. Be not ye therefore likened unto them. So a bunch of chanting, oh Lord, I need help, Lord, I need help, Lord, I need help, Lord, I need help. Oh Lord, help me, Lord, help me, oh Lord, help me. That ain't going to do anything. Now, if you really mean that prayer, and you're really asking God for help, Tell him what you need help with. Pour out your heart to him. Don't just say, oh, one word after. I mean, that's just mechanical. And what they did back in those days is they would just, oh, Lord, we need this, we need this, we need this, we need this. Help us, Lord, help us, Lord, help us, Lord, help us, Lord. We need this, Lord. Uh, and whatever God they're praying to, that's how they pray. Just repetitive, nonsense prayer. Now, we're not saying that you can't go to the Lord and ask the same thing every morning because you need his grace every morning, amen? You need his forgiveness and his help every day, I hope, amen? Come on, somebody. So he's not trying to say that. He's just telling you don't be like the heathen. Don't be like the, the, those who are following idols, those who are praying to idols, and they just use all these vain, repetitious prayers. Don't pray like you're praying to an idol. Pray like you're praying to a living, true God. The only living and true God who is actually there, actually listening to you, actually waiting to answer your prayers. Be therefore not likened unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask him. Now, he still wants you to ask. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Amen? He still wants you to ask. Yeah. And then Jesus says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Who are you praying to? Is God's arm too short to meet any need? No. Is God asleep up there, slumbering away, not listening to us? No. no. Is God willing and ready to help his children? Yes. yes. Does God delight in helping his children? Yes. yes. Is God for you yes. or against you? 
If you're a child of God, he's for you. He's on your side. That's why Hebrews chapter 11 says anyone who comes to him must believe that he is. What does that mean? He is Yahweh. He's the self-existent one. He's the I am that I am. This God. He's got to believe that he is. He is who? He is the I am. The Yahweh. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Don't we need diligent prayer nowadays? I've said this over and over, but never in church history has the church needed to pray so much and pray so little. You people watching on Facebook that ought to be in this room, praying with us, listening to this message, you need to hear this, that God is trying to get his people to pray. We need to pray. And, and brothers and sisters, I don't mean we need to just pray in our own prayer closet. We need to pray together. The church needs more time where they're praying together. The church needs more time where we're meeting together and praying over people's needs. I'll show you in just a little bit. It's who we're praying to. The I am, the great and mighty God, the everlasting Father. He's hollowed because he's one, the only unique living and true God. He's the only. He is God and beside him there is no other. That God, hallowed be his name. Now when we pray like this, we got to understand that when the Jews heard hallowed be his name, they thought Yahweh. Christians think Yahshua, Jesus. Why? Because he's been given the name that is above every name. He's been given all power and all authority in heaven and in earth. Don't miss that part. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. That's who we're praying to. Amen. Not a mealy-mouthed idol made of wood or stone, but a God who is alive, who, who has ever lived and will live forevermore, who is the first and the last, the Alpha, the Omega, that God is who we're praying to. Yeah. Yeah. So when we come, we come humbly. We come like that little widow with her two mites. We come like, huh, I got a better one. We come like that adulterous harlot who come weeping on Jesus' feet. Totally unworthy, totally sinful, a beggar. Come to his feet. Like that woman with the issue of blood who's 
If I could just but grab the hem of his garment. We come humbly before this mighty God who saved us and redeemed us, who is in charge of us. Is he the Lord of your life? Is he leading you? Is he guiding you? Is he lifted up in your eyes? Or is he just a genie to meet your needs? That is not... God is God, and we need to hallow God like he's God. He needs to be hallowed in our hearts, hallowed in our minds, hallowed in our prayers. We approach God as if we are beggars in total need of his help. Notice that the coming to him and praying to him, first and foremost, is that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. And this is where I'm going tonight with his, his kingdom come, his will be done. Turn with me, if you will, to James chapter 1. James, servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. This James is the brother of Jesus who didn't even believe in Jesus when Jesus before he was crucified. This James openly mocked his own brother. Didn't believe. James chapter 1 verse 1. James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings my brethren. Count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that, thy, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Christian, do you want to be perfect and entire, wanting nothing? Stop trying to go around the test. Be willing to go through the test. Because the testing of your patience worketh faith. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For not let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice that he is exalted. But let the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat 
but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof fadeth, and the grass, uh, the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised them that love him. Wow. 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 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Why? Because God is willing and ready to give you the Holy Spirit. Amen? That what Jesus said? He said, which of you being evil would give a, uh, 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 if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Amen? He said, so does your heavenly father want to give you the Holy Spirit? That willingly, God is, your God loves you so much that he's willing to give you this. He's ready, he's waiting. All you have to do is ask God. So when we pray, we can't go to God thinking, oh, I wonder if God's going to hear me. I wonder if God's going to answer me. I wonder if God's going to do this. God said, I'm for you, not against you. He said, I want you to pray. If anyone lacks anything, let him ask. Amen. If your father clothes the grass of the field and the birds of the air, will he not much more clothe you, oh, you of little faith? When we pray, we must pray, number one, in faith. Number two, we must pray in God's will. The very first thing in the prayer that we read in Matthew, he said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Now, most Christians don't pray like they're looking for God's will, though, okay? Most Christians pray this way, and I'm going to say this backwards, and I'm doing it on purpose. I'm not messing it up. I'm doing this on purpose. Most Christians pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be my name. My kingdom come. My will be done, because that's how they pray. They pray about the, their stuff, their plans, how they want to do it, how they think it ought to be done. And I, I said, listen to preachers on TV that said, you know, God came and asked me a question like, and I, and I counseled God on what God was supposed to do. Oh, really? No. How about the Bible says that God doesn't need to seek counsel from any man? How about the Bible says that God sits in heaven and does whatsoever he pleases. Yeah. He doesn't ask questions of me or you. He don't say, hey, do you think I ought to do this? Do you think I ought to do that? He doesn't do that. He does it. Yeah. Yeah. We need to pray that we're in God's will, yeah. not that God is in my will. Yeah. Yeah. So when yeah. we pray, we must pray God's will. Go with me to James chapter 4. We're going to stay right here in James. Now this is good right here. This is real good right here. From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Now hold on a minute. What's he talking about? Lusts. 
that war in your members. Well, if you go back to chapter 1 of James and you, you start reading right there at verse 13 where we left off, this will make all kinds of sense. Look at this, James chapter 1, verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust is conceived and it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth about death. Do not ever, my beloved brethren, every good and perfect, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, which cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth. Woo! It's God that saved you. It's God that changed you. It's God that redeemed you. It was his will and his word that worked in you to change you. It better be his will and his word that goes forth in the rest of your life that you live out for Christ. It better not be your own word. It better not be your own will. It better be the will of Christ. Back to chapter 4, verse 1, or 2. Ye lust, and ye have not. You kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that you may consume it, Upon your lusts, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship, that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend to the world is the enemy of God. Do not think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelled in us lusted to envy. But he giveth grace, giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy into heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of God, in, in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. He started out talking about prayer, having not, because we ask not, because we want to consume it on our own lusts. And then he goes into this whole tirade about our attitude and our heart and our desires. And it's all about my will and my way. That's what he's talking about in the first three or four verses. Because we're asking amiss. Because we're being driven by our lusts. And not by the word of God, not by our 
contriteness before God where we're afflicted over our own sins, our own stubbornness, our own unwillingness to submit to God's will that we see already spelled out in His Word. Amen? This, this is absolutely talking about the right attitude in prayer. It's telling us that when, we're, when we have friendship with the world, it's creating desires in us and lusts in us that are not in step with praying righteous prayers. Because then we're not praying God's will, we're praying to get things that we can consume on our own lusts. Instead of praying God's will. Amen? We have got to pray God's will. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray it this way because I pray for what all the people I said I prayed for, I pray when I, when I get ready to pray like that, I, I say, Lord, I'm praying for me, I'm praying for my wife, I'm praying for Matthew, I'm praying for Tristan, I'm praying for uh, Hadassah, I'm praying for Rebecca, I'm praying for everybody at Agape Fellowship Church, I'm praying for every church member, every person that attends this church. Lord, let your will be done in us. Let your kingdom come in us. Let us not forget that it's not about us. It's not about what we want, not about our desires, not about the things that we think are important, but what your word says, what your will says, what your son has revealed to us. That's what we need to do. God, let your kingdom come in us. Let your will be done in us. I pray that way every morning for everybody in this church. I pray earnestly that people would get this kind of praying. That they would learn that we need to earnestly pray and seek God. Not these half-hearted, mealy mouth. I prayed for five minutes and I hope God heard me and I hope he's going to go with me. But if not, I'm going to do it on my own. Because that's kind of how we act. Martin Luther lived in a time where they prayed a lot more. I understand this, but he, he, he's famously quoted as saying, I have so much to do today, I must spend the first three hours in prayer. Do you want the work of your hands to be effective? Do you want the things that you're doing to be consecrated and fruitful? Pray, seek God's will for what you're doing. Ask God's blessing. Seek God's favor. Apply. Uh, pour yourself out on the altar of God for his grace and his mercy that you desperately need. We don't do that. We don't do that like we should. Just like I talked this morning, and this is the part that tied it into this morning, we spend so much time with worldly ideas that we think that church is meaningless, we think attending church is meaningless, we don't think that being involved in church is beneficial to us, we don't think praying, praying together or meeting together is important. 
But you got to understand, if you're not meeting with God's people, you're meeting with the world's people. And, and friendship with the world is enmity against God. It's you're, you're standing in the way of sinners. You're sitting in the seat of the scornful. Come on, somebody. Second Corinthians 6, and this is where we're going to end. Starting at verse 14. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. We have so many people that think that coming to church is meaningless and meeting with the believers is meaningless and hanging out with Christians is meaningless and, and living a holy life is meaningless and living for Christ is meaningless. They say they believe in Christ, but they won't do the things that Christ tells them to do. This is so hard for us to get. And we're so trapped in our flesh that we think, oh, there's grace, grace. Yes, there is grace, but Christ is not sitting here saving you so that you can live your life how you want. He's saving you so that you will live your life for him. That's the Christian gospel. Chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And you're like, well, how does this apply? Read the next part of this. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath the he that believeth with an infidel and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for ye are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Wow. 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 So as we close this thought about prayer tonight, I want to go back to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to finish reading this. I'm going to keep preaching this until somebody on Facebook watches it enough and shares it enough that maybe the people of our church see it and hear it and want to live it. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Only after we have prayed and glorified God and hallowed him in our prayers 
and understood it is him we're praying to and we're asking for his kingdom to come in us and live through us to his will to be done in us and through us then we can say lord give us today our daily bread give us today god what we need to live today meet all the needs that we have today forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors let us forgive lord the way that you have forgiven us lead us lord not into temptation for we know you don't but deliver us, God, from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. It's God's kingdom. It's done for God's glory. Your prayer is for God's kingdom, for God's glory, and that God's power would be shown in you and through you forever. As we close tonight, I want to encourage you. If you, if you could grab a hold of this truth in Scripture, you can pray the Lord's Prayer every day, and it'll mean a lot. It can mean so much understanding who you're praying to why you're praying whose will you're seeking who your help comes from does God not love you will he not give you much more than he gave the birds of the air and the flowers of the field pray to God seek God seek him by faith and he will never, ever, ever, ever not hear you, nor will he never answer. He will always answer. Father God, we come to you tonight. Lord, we come so humbly, so in need, God. This church is so in need, God. So in need of your presence, so in need, God, of your kingdom, so in need, God, of your will to be done in us and through us, God. I pray for every single person, God, who, who, is, who is wavering in, in church attendance, wavering, God, in, in being a part of this church and really wanting to, 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 to come in among the sheepfold and do all those things that we see the church is supposed to do in Scripture, God. Lord, I don't speak condemnation on them. Never, God, I ask you to forgive them, to encourage them, to strengthen them by your Holy Spirit, God, that they would be willing, ready to come and fellowship with the believers here at the church, God, to seek your will, to seek your face, to seek your kingdom, God. Lord, let us ever seek a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us stop being so enamored with the world and so ready to settle, God, for earthly things. 
Let us take our eyes off of earthly things and set them on things above. Let us set them on Christ who is at the right hand of the Father. Help us to set our affections on things above and not on things here on this earth. Let us, God, remember the calling with which every Christian is called to go ye therefore and preach the gospel to all nations, teaching them to obey whatsoever you have commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that we might build the kingdom of God and proclaim the gospel. Lord, let us stop being so lackadaisical, so apathetic. Help us, God, to pray, to pray like we should. Help us to be like those saints in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, God, that prayed together in one accord. They were together praying and supplicating to the Lord. Help us, God. Help us to be a house of prayer, a people of prayer, that we might see what we do in secret, God, how we pray in secret. We will see you openly reward us. Help us, God, to seek first the kingdom of God, your righteousness, and all these other things, God, we know will be added. Help us to do that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.